let's get going with tonight's uh, episode. everyone, and welcome to this uh, third installment of All Crossed Out here on Colin. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Wednesday night again, and uh, wow, what a what a crazy week this continues to be on the uh, you know p- pop culture level as well. I mean, you know, like the the world news about stuff like. Uh, The economy and the war, you know, continues to also dominate the scene. But yeah, for the first time in a while, there's some like just pure sort of uh, entertainment-y, culture-y news that that isn't, uh, isn't, uh, you know, wrapped up in politics. Uh, Hey, Jen, good evening. Hey. Yes. Sorry, guys. Everything is late because of me and my wackadoo schedule. I apologize to everybody. (laughs) My work schedule is extremely weird. Today was my last day on my last project. I had a lot of stuff to finish up. I'm still not done, but whatever. I'm here with you now. There you go. Yeah. You know, it's live. It's live. I think uh, I think we were talking about this, you and I, on a a kind of a different context. But I think that as uh, stuff like podcasting and uh, stuff like this, the social apps and stuff become more common. People become more accepting of uh, things that are a little rough around the edges like this. Like, oh, somebody's break, especially now in COVID world where everybody's Zooming all the time. People go on CNN on Zoom. And so like it's become very acceptable for like your dog to bark, your baby or, you know, something like that. And yeah, you just, you know, apologize. In the in the old days, it's like, oh, crap, there was my dog was barking. It ruined the whole episode. We need to re-record. <laughs> now it's just like, eh, we all know we all know the drill at this point i actually love stuff like that like there was a couple of times back when i had my old podcast where i had obviously guests on and there was the dog in the background and the kids and it's just like i left it in because i think it's like cute and funny and kind of humanizing when in the way that we're all kind of doing this from home and everybody's trying to kind of muddle through especially during covid when everybody was doing everything via zoom and your kids are home because they're homeschooling and you're having to do that and this and everything and it's just I think it's cute, and of course, we always the the iconic kid busting into the room video. Oh yeah, the I think that guy was like is like an expert on Korea or something like that, or like the yeah. South China Sea. Oh my God, that is a I mean a, a timeless, an epic timeless uh, classic. Um, it's so adorable. She's just like marching in there, like, "What's up, Dad?" And he's like, "No, not right now. Daddy's on TV right now. We can't do this right now." Yes, consummate professional. And yeah, like you know what? It's funny. Like I mean, yeah, it would have been. It would almost be 
less of a big deal if it happened now. Like I said, because of how normalized uh, Zoom is for everyone everywhere. And so maybe, I mean, it would still be because it's a like that. There's no, there's no world in which that a clip that good doesn't go viral. It's sort of mm-hmm. inherently good enough. Um, but yeah, like uh, I feel like it was, it was still not as uh, common uh, and was still like this sort of crazy thing, like, oh, my God, you see that crazy thing that <laughs> happened, right? And now it's just like, yeah, sure, that happened to me last week. I had all kinds of – my cat jumped in front of the camera. I don't know what. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, um, as the uh, the name of this episode, I guess, uh, suggests, uh, we are uh, sort of continuing with the, 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 the sort of the ongoing uh, – controversy and uh, take storm surrounding the slap. I refuse to call it slap gate. I was actually happy. <laughs> I was actually happy that for once nobody called it a something gate. I, I really think we need to move away from that, especially since like there is no sense to it. If, if there was a, if, if, if that meant, if there, if, if like the suffix something gate meant a controversy the Watergate Hotel, it's just the name of a hotel, you know? If it was the Hilton, would you call everything the Somethington? I hate to bust your bubble, but I think in the UK press, they actually were calling it Slapgate. Of course, because of, like, laziness and stuff. But, like, I actually really liked that it was called The Slap with a capital L. <laughs> and I actually, I didn't tweet about this, but I actually, like, I googled Slap. Without the, without an article, just the word slap, and everything that came up was just that. And I like, and I searched it on like, uh, on like uh, Twitter, just the word by itself. Like it became, like it was such a, it was such a dominant moment in culture. Very interesting, uh, very interesting thing to observe. And yeah, you know, like at the same time, there are, like I said, serious takes to be had about this, but also a lot of just like memes and also just like, I don't know. It's just a weird thing that's unfolding, a weird, um, uh, a weird world in which things that were kind of the same forever might never be the same. That's why I'm saying like you got to watch everything live now because just because you think something's going to happen the way it always happens because it's the 80-somethings Oscars, this isn't that world anymore. Like every Super Bowl I watch now or every Super Bowl you know, halftime show because also because some crazy shit might happen. Or you just watch it live on Twitter like I did because I couldn't figure out how to stream it. And I just was not interested enough at the time to go through all the machinations to make it show up on my television. But that's what Twitter's for. And honestly, I'm still surprised that we're kind of still talking about this as a culture. But it's the takes have evolved. The takes I think, have evolved so, into racial takes. Well, sure, sure. But I think I, – I can't remember where I, I heard this, but like I think someone said like we were starved for a story that, that doesn't matter, that we can obsess over but that isn't important at the same time, right? Because mm-hmm. because there isn't some kind of – because again, Ukraine, there's a lot of – you can't really – like you can go overboard with your takes here because at the end of the day, it's – 
it it doesn't, especially now after like there were apologies made. And hold on, we're going to get into it because uh, since our uh, since our podcast, which we did Monday morning, uh, stuff has continued to develop. We did it very quickly in the aftermath of that thing, and uh, there have been a couple of uh, uh, developments, including one like today, like this afternoon, that I thought was very interesting, actually. Um, and yeah, I saw actually. Like an hour ago, yeah, a couple of hours that? ago, something like that. Um, oh, and we can get into it. Um, so, so I, I would say, like the three, the sort of three-ish big things that happened since Monday were um, uh, Will Smith's apology, which he posted on Instagram, and was uh, I thought, and a lot of other people I saw sort of echoed my sentiments, uh, an extremely solid apology. Um, and, uh, you know, the cynicism of today and now where everybody says it's just a publicist, it's fake, he's doing it to get his career or whatever. And I said, you know, maybe, but even on that level, I said, if it's just a, if a publicist wrote this, I said he has a really good publicist because it didn't feel, it didn't feel, uh, it didn't feel like a PR statement. It was phrased in a, in a, you know, I am embarrassed and I apologize to you, Chris, you know, like your first name. It was, it felt very personal. Um, and so, and, and yeah, I don't know. It felt like he, if it, it sounded sincere to me and I, you know what? And I wouldn't be surprised if it is sincere because people said, oh, but he partied and he sang getting jiggy with it at the after party and stuff. And I said, yeah, sometimes, you know, it takes you a day to realize that you were an asshole or even to like see yourself from the outside, wake up the next morning, see what people thought about it, reading what people thought about it. And by that realizing that you did something very wrong. Um, yeah. Um, and so that, so, uh, that was, uh, that was the, the first thing that happened. I'm just going to be brief and we're going to get into it. The second thing that happened was a, a report that said that, uh, the reason that he wasn't kicked out was that, um, the people who would have made that kind of call were all in different parts of the arena. And by the time they were able to like, kind of get together, put their heads together, he had already gotten the award and the award show was like, one award from being over. And so it didn't, it, like it did, it was a wash. It didn't matter. And so fine. So everybody was like, all right, whatever. But like I said, a couple of hours ago, I read in uh, the, uh, the Hollywood Reporter uh, that the Academy are now uh, reviewing this and considering sanctions against him because apparently he was asked to leave and said no and refused. Uh, so, you know, they didn't like drag him out, which, you know, they would have, to one of us like peasants, obviously. But uh, I, apparently there was a request made of him to leave, maybe to his public, you know, like maybe they said to his publicist, uh, yeah, we're gonna, you can, he can't, he can't stay. You're gonna have to leave. And she walked up to him and said, security wants us to leave. And he just didn't or something like that. He was busy talking to Denzel Washington and uh, Bradley Cooper. And again, even... Like this situation, especially with this new information that he was asked to leave and didn't kind of calls a lot of other stuff in the question. But it's still like on the Academy, like, OK, what were they going to do? Like literally pick up a grown ass man and cart him out of the auditorium? Like what else were they going to do since he said no? Well, and it's Will Smith. Imagine the look. Imagine. Im just imagine because they got bruisers there. It's the Oscars. If they need 
four big, you know, six, four bruiser guys to come carry somebody out. There's plenty of them there. But imagine, imagine the optics of them walking up yes. and having to like, again, shove Denzel Washington out of the way so that they can bodily remove Will Smith from the Oscars right before he wins the award. Could you imagine, like that would, and so, you know, I kind of, in a way I kind of sympathize, well, you know, the Academy is like an abstract concept, but like for the people who were, who were in the position to call those shots, like in a way they probably chose the option that made them look the least bad. Yeah. And I mean, this is also a group of people that, are extremely sensitive to the optics of race. I mean, we all remember Oscar's so white. So you also got to think about the calculus of, okay, are we really, really going to be out here on international television having people haul a black man out of this auditorium? Yes. Are we really going to do that? Oh, good grief. Like, I'm just, oh, I'm getting God. that, I'm getting that. Okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I, I I don't know if there's a name for this, but there's a, there's a thing that, that I've heard people describe and I have sometimes too, where it, you're in a situation of propriety and all of a sudden in your mind, you kind of daydream about what it would be like to totally break decorum in that moment, right? Like you're, if you're at a funeral, you have this like thought flash through your head of like, what if I would do something like totally inappropriate right now? And you get this sense of dread, like you get uncomfortable and you get like, I get the sense of like, like horror, at what would have happened or something like that. And so I, obviously it's kind of like a check, I guess, against <laughs> it's like an impulse <laughs> check. But like I thinking of that, thinking of the scenario you just described gives me that same sense of like, <gasps> like if I would have been there seeing that, I would have been like, uh, the world is going to implode over this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about an organization that's already been accused of being racist, of being tilted towards white actors and white content creators, white producers, white directors. And not just that, by the way, the Oscars so white, because this year, by the way, was I think the first year that the Oscars had like an all black production staff or something like that. It was a very like, uh, it was a very sort of diverse leaning uh, uh, ceremony, but the Oscars so white controversy, one of the big anecdotes in it was that Jada Smith uh, boycotted it. And then Chris Rock made fun of her. (laughs) And we discussed this on the podcast where he made – he said that her boycotting the uh, the Oscars is like him boycotting Rihanna's panties because <laughs> I wasn't invited. invited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but but here I think here's their here's their apology or the, the here's their statement, the Academy. The Board of Governors today initiated disciplinary proceedings against Mr. Smith for violations of the Academy's standards of conduct, including inappropriate physical contact, abusive or threatening behavior, and compromising the integrity of the Academy. Uh, Consistent with the Academy's standards of conduct, as well as California law, Mr. Smith is being provided at least 15 days notice of a vote regarding his violations and sanctions and the opportunity to be heard beforehand by means of a written response. Okay, blah, blah, April 18th. So they might, so they're taking some kind of disciplinary vote on April 18th by the, you know, by the, he has 15 days to respond or send some kind of apology or whatever, which I'm sure he will. Um, 
Uh, the academy may take any disciplinary action, which may include suspension, expulsion, and other sanctions permitted by the bylaws. Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith's actions at the 94th Oscars were a deeply shocking, traumatic event to witness in person and on television. Mr. Rock, we apologize to you for what you experienced on our stage, and thank you for your resilience in that moment. We also apologize to our nominees, guests, and viewers for what transpired during what uh, should have been a celebratory event. Things unfolded in a way we could not have anticipated. While we would like to clarify that Mr. Smith was asked to leave the ceremony and refused... We also recognize that we could have handled the situation differently. And again, I, for not kicking him out, how it's so hard for me. Again, yes, the situation that came out was absurd that he gave this weepy, uh, self-defense-y kind of acceptance speech was a really bad look, but also like, what the fuck were they supposed to do? Like, nobody knows. None of us have seen anything like this. And you had, they had, what, 10 minutes to figure out what to do? (laughs) And yeah, you're talking about one of the biggest stars in the world who just slapped one of the other biggest stars in the world. And again, because so much of this conversation has become racial, you're talking about two black men. Like, what what are you going to do? When when people are already looking at your whole organization like, oh, you wouldn't have did that if it was a white man, like... Well, um, probably they would have been more likely to do that if it was a white yeah, man or yeah, yeah. white Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't exactly know what kind of quorum of people are, are are the ones who would call a shot like this. Probably not the director. There's probably some kind of like floor head of security. Yeah. But no, but then there's also got to be maybe the the show executive, not, not the executive producer, but like the I don't know. Like that's what I mean. Like who in the who in the the command structure there and not only who does it. Does everybody who work there knows who you who you're supposed to call on the radio in a situation like that? Like in a way the more I think of it like the less complaint I have for them. If he and the, and, and by the way those people also knew he was going to win. If he wasn't going to win if he wasn't nominated or if his award had already like been presented and he hadn't won it, then yeah, I don't know. Maybe they would have gone to like extended commercial and like walked up to him and said, yeah, like, yeah, we're, we're really, you're, you're, you're actually going to have to leave. And like, can we not make a scene please? But, but yeah, like they were, I mean, yikes. Yeah. I take no fault with how the Academy has handled this because this is a really, bizarre position for them to be in and it's just i mean what else were they going to do like what were they going to do because again and i made this point on the pod like they knew that i mean the production crew whoever the the head of production everything knew that will smith was going to be winning for best actor so now you have this situation like okay if we do haul him out of here like how do i deal with that like what we're just going to have this like empty podium and everyone's just going to be sitting there like Thinking about what just happened, like right, because not because 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 again, because not only because think about it like this: there's a whole other level to this. Because not only do you need to think of a course of action, you need your course of action to be something that is readily and easily like defensible when the press asks, "Why did you do X?" And it, in this situation, it was actually easier to say. 
we didn't know what to do. And by the time we like got together to kind of figure it out, the, the event was already over. It was, it was a quick, it didn't happen at the beginning of the evening and then drag on the entire award show. Like that also would have been like, there are a couple of different variables here that enabled it to have to, to, to play out the way that it did. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, like I said, the fact that, cause they, cause what they, what they did is clearly, cause I've been involved in, uh, in, in t- internal reviews of this sort. Like when I was in the, the military, if something happens, if anything happens, there's an internal review where, you know, everybody in the chain of what happened, like, I'll just give a, a random anecdote, but, um, uh, someone, uh, was, uh, you know, at, the, at doing guard duty at the like entrance to the base and, you know, you got to check people's ID, right? And a super high ranking officer showed up at the base with his car and the guy at the front gate recognized him. He knew who he was. He was like a general or whatever. And he knew who he was. So he let him in without checking his ID. And then it turns out that if this was some kind of test and so they, they failed the test. And so the, the whole, the bit, you know, like his commander's commander got in trouble over it. And so what they do is they like, they bring everybody in the chain of command and they say, what exactly tell me what happened. And so that's clearly what kind of happened here. And once they, they walked away with the knowledge that somebody did walk up to him and ask him to leave. And he said, no, they can probably get away with punishing him more harshly. Otherwise, when they said we were just scrambling and left like nobody told him anything, that's different. But if, yeah, even if he was asked politely and just said no, or, or I don't know what, um, that still gives them a, a big opening to like, I said, my guess is I think they're going to ban him for like five years. I think they're, he's not going to be able to come for five years or something like that. And a point you made on Twitter, which I think is actually a really good one, especially related to the people who are mad at Chris Rock for not pressing charges or for LAPD for not pursuing this on their own, which my point still stands. If Chris Rock does not want to press charges on a situation like this, to me, that's that should be the end of any kind of police involvement in it. I mean, we're not talking about a domestic violence case. We're not talking about if somebody got shot or somebody got robbed or anything like that. Like one man got slapped. He doesn't want to press charges, whatever. But what Will Smith is going to end up facing is possibly something from the Academy. But also now you have this hit to your reputation and now you're also having to think about what kind of opportunities is Will Smith not going to get now, now that there's a situation. And now it's it's not that like studios are never going to want to touch him again because he's Will Smith. I mean, he's he's a list. He brings in millions of dollars. It's not a situation where like. You're talking about like a B-list or C-list actor. We're never going to work again. But now you have this situation where, okay, if we put him as the lead on a movie or if we give him an executive producer role or something like that, all this attention is going to come along with it. So is it worth it? And now Junkets. you're never going to be able to weigh yeah, that. Pr- but. Th- that's the thing. It's by the way, it's not, oh, Will Smith's going to be on our – it's the press tour. It, that's it. Because, you know, there's this there's this uh, there's this piece of like uh, kind of pseudo conventional wisdom and entertainment that the reason you pay Tom Cruise twenty five million dollars for a movie 
is you pay him a million dollars for you know the shoot and you $24 million for having to go around the world promoting it and going on talk shows and doing junkets and junkets and, fa- and premieres in Tokyo and premieres. that they, they work harder on that, I mean, in a sort of more exhausting and annoying way, because especially Tom Cruise because he loves the, the stunts and the whatever. That mm-hmm. shit he loves. I'm sure he hates – the, the 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 going to the then having everybody ask him the same five questions over and over whatever but yeah it, anything that will smith does in the very near future like he's gonna get asked about it even if they tell the people not to ask him about it he's gonna get asked about it it's gonna be a, a distraction and a problem and yeah look undoubtedly here's the thing undoubtedly he would have been riding a a bigger wave of post Oscar success without this incident. There is there like there's no way to argue this. It, he the, won Best Actor, right? I mean, the, and the pro, yes, and like and after many years, and like he's in a he's in a you know like he has an interesting arc, and he's love he you know he was beloved and whatever, <laughs> and like you know like he's he's Will Smith. Like who doesn't like Will Smith, right? But, you know, it's hard to measure the, the things that, you know, didn't happen. It's it's like um, I say this. You're going to hate me for saying this, but in because I, I also hate the TSA. But in 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 defense of uh, airport security, a defense of airport security is that you never hear about 100 percent of, of the things that like don't. Uh, like that, that fail in the planning stage because there's an airport security in existence, right? And that's uh, unfortunately, and that's you know the same as like law enforcement, border walls, all kinds of stuff. Pre- anything that's preventative. That's by the way also why a lot of people are vaccine hesitant, but are more interested in therapeutics because people are like, I'll take a medicine when I get sick. I'm not taking medicine in order for me to not get sick in the first place. Cause then how do I know if it even worked? Maybe I'm just taking it and nothing's happening, right? There's this instinct of like, I'll treat a problem after the problem comes, right? And so, yeah, it's hard to measure what opportunities, you know, what potential op- hypothetical opportunities now he's never going to experience. But to kind of move it over to more of the more extended universe of online reactions. To the <laughs> the, S- We're not the SC, yes, the SCU, <laughs> the slap cinematic universe. <laughs> We're not even supposed to be discussing this because we are not of the correct melanin level, although... Uh, I, I'm not sure if you are a POC now. It, it became kind of iffy again because for for a hot second, like Jews were POC again. But so oh, I don't no, no. know. But. No, no, you you're you're. There's a whole thing. No, no, no. See, because what progressive Jews did. Here's the here's the, the so the 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 identity politics people who were like, I'm Jewish. That's great. Like, let's you know, let's do that. They introduced the whole. Uh, white Jews and Jews of color uh, dichotomy into the debate because again everything has to be through an American prism and yes by the way there is a 
there, there are, there is baggage. There is ethnic baggage in Israel between Jews that come from like North Africa and the Middle East and Jews that come from Europe. And it's baggage that's um, multi-layered. It's a little hard to explain. And it's, there's more to it than just, you know, the, they come from different cultures. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they turned it also into a thing like I'm a Jew of color and you're a white Jew, you know, it's like, so, so no, absolutely not. We're, we're extremely white now. I'm, I'm still baffled as to when Jews became white. I remember when that was a whole question, there was even a name for the question, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. But. (laughs) But, uh, well, you know, like we, I think we just, we discussed this on the pod when it happened, the Whoopi Goldberg thing, but yeah, like the idea Mm -hmm. that, um, uh, the, like how sort of, because skin color is so central to the debate around race in America, especially sort of contemporary America, because it's about, uh, visual the visual perception of people whereas like you know like race science based racism was like if you if you're you know if you had like one eighth you know jew in you there were plenty of people who were like didn't even consider themselves jewish and ended up in auschwitz because you know they had like a one you know they had like a grandfather who was jewish and they that they didn't even know and didn't care about so it wasn't about optics. I was listening to Hardcore History's most recent episode about the Atlantic slave trade. And yeah, in places like Haiti, there were some really weird fucked up laws about uh, like slavery that were that were uh, more like DNA based than a skin color based. Like there were a lot of people who were like totally white appearing and slave owners who because of their like race science laws in Haiti were still like a, 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 a an under tier because of their blood, you know, because of their blood. It was it, it actually ran like way deeper than that. But yeah, anyway, like that's uh, uh that was a, a really weird, <laughs> long digression for you to say that lots of people are saying, hey, if you're not black, you can't comment on this. A lot of like white people. There's a lot of like, hey, I'm going to not say anything about this because I'm a white lady. And I'm like, uh, first Which, of all, de facto, you just said something about it. Well, sure. That, uh, that, uh, that's a, first of all, that's a really good point. Uh, because you're right in a meta way, like that is your, that is your opinion on it is white people can't have an opinion on it. Um, but also like, first of all, I'd argue that anything that happens like in the Oscars like that on national television is at least within everybody's purview to at least comment on. But also, I mean, I really don't. I think that making this a racial issue, I actually think that it's it's kind of it kind of simplifies the the argument against this being racist that everyone in it is a member of the same race. I think that saying that this is about black emotions and stuff is actually like why are you universalizing 
like an interpersonal, like something that happened to a specific person in a specific situation who had a joke trigger them personally in that moment. Like, why are you, why are you trying to project outwards, especially along racial lines? Like, why do you want to make this about, why do you want to make this a black thing as opposed to like, I would say it's a Will Smith thing. And if you want to make a slightly wider point, I would say it's a rich people thing, a celebrity thing, not a, uh, not a, what do you, how is that not racist to say that, to say like, how dare you be mad at this? This is how black people express their emotions. Like people who are like anti-racist are saying this and I'm like grabbing my head. Like what, what world did I wake up in? And that is one of like, the most gross stereotypes about black people and black men in general is that they are inherently violent and that this is how things are handled within the black community. I'm like, I'm wondering how many people who are sitting here saying that, okay, you can't comment on this because you're white, because you don't understand the black community or black men or whatever. Do you really understand what you're saying in that moment when you're saying that? Because you're buying into a very, very nasty racial stereotype that has been used in this country to stigmatize black men, to criminalize black men. And it's like, do you understand what you're, do you understand what you're promoting here? Like, do you really understand what you're saying? And you know, that cliche, the soft bigotry of uh, lower expectations or whatever. And I actually, I, I, I know the exact date where I where I had that sort of uh, penny drop, uh, where I saw this happen in a way that was like so shockingly blatant that it kind of changed the way that I looked at media, and it was the funeral of Yasser Arafat in two thousand and four, November of two thousand and four. Yasser Arafat, the leader of the Palestinian Authority for many years, and the leader of like Palestinian resistance, and a horrible decades long terrorists never mind we don't have to get into we don't have to get into that even though even though israel is now going through like a really awful like wave of terrorism but but um that's not that wasn't my point my point is so it's his funerals going on right and uh they're covering it on tv and the and the the analyst says in a super casual voice his wife suha who i think lives in paris he said like she's not here today uh because uh she's not popular here and obviously uh, that means if she came she would be killed and i was like what the fuck does he mean obviously she'll be killed why is that obvious like I like I and I again I was this is not I was not a young person like I had because again I knew whatever I'd heard but this was like the first time I had seen somebody say it like in a totally blasé way like oh yeah those people like like somebody who was like a liberal media guy yeah oh yeah they just kill they they, they would just kill her and I was like yeah that's, what? that's, just, that's just how they are that's what they do yes they it really act. was it really was I wouldn't mean it was in Hebrew so there's not like I, I like I can't say tell you the exact words but it was it was a, a it was a and it was said in a tone of like well ob, you know obviously you yeah. Know, what do you, yeah, like you said, those, yes, those people, right? Like, it, and that was, that was like, that was so shocking to me. And by the way, I think, here's a thing that I think. Um, I think that bad actors are able to, 
essentially trick sort of Western media people because of that, to exploit that. Because they think like, oh, those people, we're smarter than them. We're better than them. And so when they say like, oh, my house exploded, they're like, there's no way they're make there there's no way they're trying to pull my leg right there's no way this is fake i'm i'm smart cnn guy or whatever and uh yeah that like i think that's and a lot that that happens a lot where uh, media gets manipulated by people because they underestimate their intelligence and i think that that happens a lot in like the third world like uh, western media that goes to the third world often get manipulated by people because they feel like these stupid these stupid you know desert people there's no you know i'm what what are they gonna lie what are they gonna trick me i have a iphone i have a satellite <laughs> phone and there this guy's a this guy's a you know, Afghani farmer or whatever. He's got two sticks. I've got a cell yeah, phone. I know. And like, and, and yeah, I, I do. I believe that like, and this also happens with like Western diplomats, but whatever, like there, there is all, there is a sort of a tendency to like underestimate the quote unquote natives and be like, you know, they're no match for us. And that happens. I mean, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a, like a kind of a Western, bravado type thing uh, but i mean if you want to if you want to uh do a quick digression to ukraine i'm oh i'm looking at the thing by the way uh every, everyone because we're gonna we're gonna transition into like uh calls i guess if you're listening on the app you can uh, get in the caller queue which i believe is uh, looks like a little phone icon i think yeah you I, can just I, click on the phone yeah, I believe that's what it is. Because like I'm a host, so I don't. I, I have different. I have different a different set of icons. But yeah, like if you want to like ask a question or say a thing or whatever. Um, but I was going to say about like Ukraine. You know, like the idea that, um, you know, the sort of ma- kind of macho we attitude that either Russia has or that that it that, or or that sort of Western. Uh, chauvinists kind of project onto Russia because I don't know if what Russia is is exactly what like the natcons here admire. You know, I don't know if they they maybe kind of twist it to their worldview a little. And there was something that I did not even know was a thing until this war started, but the concept that some people seem to have of like. Rich- rich Russia versus poor Ukraine, as far as economically speaking. And I'm like, wait a minute, who thought Russia was rich? First off, I mean, you have, I mean, you have Moscow, you have St. Petersburg, you have pockets of wealth, but outside of that, people live insanely, insanely poor lives. Like the kind of stuff that here in the West, we wouldn't even consider. Whereas I've always thought Ukraine, I mean, obviously they do have their provinces and their villages and some of them live a little rougher than we do, but Overall, Ukraine is a much more modern country than Russia, which is I thought everybody kind of knew that, but apparently not. So there was a uh, yeah, it goes that like Western chauvinism. Yeah, and I I think there was this. I think there was this sort of uh, yeah, like uh, excessive focus on a certain segment of Russian society, and maybe the idea that more of it was like that. Also, like all, like the idea of oligarchs. There's a lot of uh, well, uh, you know, surprise, surprise. People say things they don't, they know nothing about. But for example, like the idea of oligarchs, it's grown to become to mean 
rich person who's connected to the government, which that's not the Russian oligarchs. The people who are called oligarchs, they're a very specific, it's a very specific group of people. And it was when the Soviet Union broke up, industries that were nationalized were privatized and they weren't privatized in like an up and up way. No. They were handed out to party loyalists. And so some guy, they were like, from now on, you're going to own the oil industry. You're going to own mm. Russian steel or whatever. And those guys are now oligarchs. They're not – like calling Elon Musk an oligarch or, or the Koch brothers just because they're close to government or George Soros or whatever. No, they're like – they're people who like made their own money. Like they're successful money. There is cronyism, right? And yeah, the, and, and, the, and the, the term oligarchy can be applied you know, in hyperbole to here. The idea of like the rule of the few over the many, right? But – but when you're talking about oligarchs, you can't compare rich people here who are like friends with Nancy Pelosi to the Ru the Russian oligarchs, you know, like a capital O. I think a lot of that is kind of trying to graft on like U.S. centric thinking onto a different country, like people thinking that oligarchs are like rich people here. Like you said, no, it's, it's a completely different class of person and that. I'm so fascinated by that part of history because that was just an absolutely wild thing that happened. But I also think a lot of people who kind of idolize Russia think that poor people in Russia are kind of like poor people in the United States. And if you're poor in the United States, your life is about 267 times better than your life as a poor person in Russia. Like there's stories coming out about conscripts who were sent over to Ukraine and some of these kids have never seen like asphalt and streetlights before. Like there's there's no comparison between life here in the U.S. and life in Russia. And I don't think people can really conceptualize that, that not every place is like the United States. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that um, um, the, the place where that is most apparent, like you said, is comparing uh, the poor to the poor. As a part of the rich to the rich, like if you take a place like India and compare people who are impoverished in the United States to people who are impoverished in India and the difference is astronomical, right? But compare like a Indian billionaire to an American billionaire, right? The difference is not ginormous, right? And so you're right. There is a – because yes, we do have a uh, – we do have like a, a, well, a crazy wealth disparity or whatever. But like all of our, our entire spectrum – in some cases is exists like far above the you know the low points of other places and yeah like you said including russia and um and uh and it is i mean again our ability to kind of choke it off i mean i i, I mean i guess you could say we could in theory do that to like england too or france right um but uh it yeah it's uh, it's uh, and 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 by the way speaking of the the war um, it's um, it's in kind of an interesting phase where things are in a little bit of a like stuff is still going on, but it's uh, it's in kind of a uh, in a in a like a coasting period. I'm trying to find the right word for it. Not a stag stagnant a little bit, I guess. Not not exactly sure what's going on. There's some talks, no talks. 
I, I'm not reading a lot about battles or big advances. Well, my favorite part is now, apparently, according to Russia, um, taking over the entirety of Ukraine and taking over Kiev was never the plan. That was never the plan. It was just a distraction to pull troops away from the east and away from Donbass and Crimea. I'm like, word, would you like to explain the troops that are still stationed outside Kiev like right now? <laughs> like it, it's it's the funniest thing because it's it it almost feels like a bit of trying to like retcon a loss, but mainly because you want that public perception because it does seem like they are still trying to advance on Kiev. They are still launching attacks. They are still trying to do that. But in my saying that we're not doing that, like you, you take that loss in the public perception and you get, you, you're going to get dunked on because we all know what you were trying to do, but it also kind of covers up what you are really trying to do, which is yes, Russia wants to take over the entirety of Ukraine. It's not just about the Donbass. It's not just about Crimea. It's not just about these outside little republic states that they just created out of thin air. No, it's about the entirety of the country. I mean, Putin said he does not think Ukraine is a country. Russia has never thought Ukraine is a country. They've always thought it was part of Russia. He wants to integrate it back into Russia. He wants the Russian empire back. Like, who are you trying to hit, dude? Well, and... um. And there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk coming out. Here is here are these demands and those demands, and they confirm and they deny. And there's all kind. There you know, there's a lot of back and forthing. And there was a report today that that perhaps uh, Putin Putin's advisors are not not explaining the severity of the situation to him because they're scared. A lot, a lot of uh, pictures from downfall were posted in response to that. <laughs> um, that is an amazing movie, by the way. Everybody laughs about the Hitler scene, right? Um, which, by the way, when you see it in the movie, it's amazing. Because when I watched Downfall, it was after that thing became a huge meme. I took a class on Nazi Germany in college, a class on the history of Nazi Germany. Um, and I went on a tear. I watched like every Holocaust and every kind of Nazi related movie I could find documentaries and uh, like cinematic whatever, dramas. Movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was uh, one I watched and I like, pff, it's so it's unbelievable. And yeah, like that scene comes around and it's still like shocking and appalling and disturbing, even though you've seen it a million times and it's always about like, I don't know, McDonald's bringing back the McRib or something like that. <laughs> or, or Dr. Fauci announcing another lockdown. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, there's so, but I mean, it does, it does, it does, hint maybe at a, a situation like that again provided that this is true and not bullshit um but yeah but like i said like in the like in the peace talks or whatever they want to call it because you you keep hearing they're saying russia is saying now that they're not asking for e there it's okay that ukraine joins the eu but not nato but then, no, it's the Ukrainians said that the Russians said this or I don't know what. And so it's like I'm just going to, you know, I'll, I'm just going to sit back and whatever. Although I guess Zelensky's going to be on Brett Bear tomorrow, I think. Good call on him skipping the Oscars, though. 
Oh, no, sorry, Friday. What? Maybe they recorded it in advance? Oh, well, my I'm God, sure I'm sorry. different stuff. And... Yeah, but, like, what if he, like, dies before then? You know, like, what? it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I say to you, like, let's record Monday morning so that we're not <laughs> too out of date. And they're, like... They're they're uh they're uh they're promoing it three days ahead of time. Uh, I got to get those ratings up, you know. I don't know. Well, I mean, you could probably promo it before you actually record it. But I mean, I, I mean, I, I think if he's not dead by now, like that's that's amazing in and of itself. Like, yeah, everybody I, wants I, to parse like who's winning this war, and people some some dipshits still actually want to argue that Russia's winning. I'm like, first of all, if you are not. If you're not winning when you're Russia, you're losing. But Zelensky is still amongst the living, which who would have even? Yeah, someone who we're not going to name uh, has been uh, sort of insisting in a weird contrarian way that like who decide who decided that just because people on TV say that, you know, if this is going poorly, then we should believe it. The Russians are saying it's going swimmingly. You know, why, why should, why should it be otherwise? But like, meanwhile, there's like confirmed, there's a bunch of confirmed like generals that are dead. Like they know who they are. They're named and mm-hmm. they know what units they command and stuff. Like Russia is not, uh, it's not North Korea or whatever. Like, or, I mean, who knows? We might, we might even know that, shit about North Korea, I don't know, but I feel like it's it's open intelligence, meaning it's this is not something that's coming out of like US military intel. I think that like you go on like the Russian Armored Corps website, you know, and they they tell you who the commander is like in the United States or like in in Israel, like I think I could probably look up functionaries in Israel who's the head of this division of armor or whatever. I think I could probably look that up. It's a I don't know. It's a thing countries do. Yeah, and we've got multiple sources, both within the U.S., in the Ukraine, and also independent sources who are keeping track of things like lost tanks, lost helicopters, lost hardware. Like, I mean, I could not begin to imagine what it would be like if the U.S. went to a country and just started losing massive amounts of military equipment. I mean, no, what we do, what we do is we show up with a lot of shiny new equipment and then we'll just leave it there. (laughs) We just like, we just go, we go back home and just leave it on the tarmac. There's a bunch of new Humvees. There's like, they still have that like piney smell. The seats in the Hummers all have like that, (laughs) that, that like new car smell. (laughs) They have those like, you know, the little paper, you know, the little paper things they put on the seat at the car dealership. So when they like the, mm-hmm. the guy takes you out for a test ride, he's not sitting on your actual seat. He's sitting on like a paper thing. They're still <laughs> on there <laughs> from the Hummer factory. <laughs> they never actually put in the floor mats. It's still just like the paper mats. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is just like they have to like set the language on the they're so new. You have to like set the language on the GPS. But like. <laughs> They just like they just roll their all their new hardware into a minefield or whatever, like roll it through some like they're like, oh, look at this ad, dark alleyway. For, weirdly, all these burning tires led us into this one alleyway. Should we should we drive our tags down? Oh, yeah. Screw it. Just go, go. <laughs> roll the I, tags, I, Sasha. Russians have, 
Russians apparently also don't know how to drive in the snow, which was news to me. I figured they would have known how to drive in snow and mud. Well, so but so the the problem was um, it, it, so it it what the thing was it wasn't snowing like they were it, because of the mud they were confined to the roads and also you don't know uh, like they so they they weren't equipped well they weren't like equipped for because they they didn't think that this was gonna last that long logistics were just crazy and again I I think it it has to do and then I later saw some reports that potentially confirmed this this was just my instinct was that. Uh, corruption, because um, a, a, a big thing like the first the first target of corruption and skimming in the military is logistical supplies, mm-hmm. uh, uh, stuff like yeah, you know, like uniforms and uh, goats and whatever. You you say that you ordered them and you didn't order them, or you order half as much because you're like, when am I gonna ever need a hundred thousand coats? You know, or there were they didn't have tourniquets; they were using big thick rubber bands as tourniquets, and it was like, yeah. And, and I thought to myself, like, how easy would it be for somebody to be to say, like, I why why do we need to order a hundred fifty thousand tourniquets? When are we ever gonna need that many? So I'm gonna order. 10,000 tourniquets instead on a pocket the rest of the money, right? Stuff like that goes. But then you send 150,000 soldiers into Ukraine. They need fucking tourniquets. And especially when you have a situation where like, you know, the president is never going to be like, I want to go to Fort blah, 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 and do a tour where I see all of the uniforms and the tourniquets that we paid for. Now, you know you can't get away with that with, like, tanks and, and helicopters and planes and stuff like that because that's kind of PR stuff, and the president's going to want to go see that. But, like, small shit, you know nobody's going to check that. The United States has a slightly different problem. Like I said, we leave our Humvees on the on the runway branded with the keys and the ignition. Like, I, so I heard a story, and this is, I mean, this is not a secret. I mean, ask any, ask anybody you know who has anything to do with military aviation – as the you know as the fiscal military fiscal year ends you you burn oh, all yeah. of your excess fuel you take your jets out my uh my my source i'm not going to say who it is but my just because propriety my source told me that like they would just do sorties for fun like they would just go fly their planes out for hours just because they had to burn it because if you're left with a surplus, then you're allocated a smaller budget next year. They're like, oh, look, you didn't use as much mm-hmm. as you needed. And so yeah, you when, spend it, that yeah. when in fact, like logic dictates that you do it the other way around, meaning like if somebody has a surplus at the end of the year, you say, I'm going to trust that if you want more this year, it's probably because you actually need it and not because you're just trying to like trust. the. That's what I'm saying. Like actually look at who's coming in under budget and then if they want more budget put your trust in them instead you're forcing people to like burn tons of jet fuel just so that they can like justify their jet fuel budget for the next year right that's how our military operates right? I so you're thinking about this way too logically and you're thinking about it way too way too trusting in congress to be like yeah, we'll give you more money when you need it. Now they're like, yeah, no, or we, want that. we even, want it up front. Sure, but I meant, I meant even like on a mid-level, like because because I think that like budget allocation also works on very different, like 
uh, I'm descending tiers, meaning like, because you're not, if you're a, if you're a base, if you're, I don't know, Pensacola or uh, Vandenberg, whatever air base, like I, I'm, your, your budget isn't directly controlled by Congress, right? There's like a structure somehow where yeah. it's budgeted out to you by the military. I don't know how. But like, uh, but but yeah, like I said, like it, it this it disincentivizes smart budget management. It actually incentivizes poor budget management, just in order to justify large budgets. Uh, wow, we got on a whole weird other thing here. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know we we're going to talk about it. I was going to say something about Bruce Willis again. I see that um, nobody's. Uh, interested in making a, a comment but uh but yeah in, in general like you can always uh, hop in the queue the entire show by the way can you can just sit in the queue it doesn't matter but like if there's ever anything you want to say you can just like click on it you hop in the queue and then you're just like sitting in there listening to the show but then i i can know that like people want to say stuff yeah. but yeah bruce willis so sad news about bruce willis that was sort of already kind of spreading i think red letter media might have caused this uh, announcement but uh bruce willis uh, retiring, stepping away from acting because he was uh, diagnosed with aphasia, which is sort of a, a de- I think it's a degenerative uh, brain disorder. But he's he has trouble both uh, both like uh, uh, finding the right words and understanding words. I think I think that affects both of them. I think there's a different one that that only does one or the other. But uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a sort of a brain disorder, a cognitive problem. And uh, yeah, there were rumors that he. Um, he was suffering from something like that. And Red Letter Media did a whole video about how he makes these movies now where he gets paid a million dollars for one day's work and barely does anything on camera. And they theorized that maybe he was like trying to cash in as much as possible on projects that like didn't require him to literally do anything. And not in an exploitative way, like not in uh he's literally doesn't know where he is and people are leading him by the hand. But in like the idea of like, yeah, you want Bruce Willis, he'll he his pay is a million dollars for one day's work and all he'll do is nod and say yeah like that's all he he'll do or whatever and if you want that cool and yeah a bunch of movies were like uh yep we'll we'll take it right yeah he's Bruce Willis and, yeah and he's trying to like he's trying to like uh, maximize his nest egg for his family fucking that's i i think that like good for like good for him for for not just being like fuck it i'm not going to work anymore i'm Bruce Willis i can coast um but yeah, sad, just kind of a kind of a sad situation. Oh, and so the Razzies were going to do a whole Bruce Willis thing, like dedicate oh, the whole show to him because he put out like 12. That's why this, these rumors came out because he put out like 12 movies this year or something like that. And they're all like that. They're all small made for TV style movies where Bruce Willis is in them a little bit. Right. Um, and so they were going to just give Bruce Willis all of the Razzies. And now I saw a thing where they're like, they're reconsidering. And yeah, yeah like, I mean, because yeah. why? Because like, why? You know what? Even if it was wrong, even if it wasn't that he was doing it because of that, even if he had just made these 12 movies because he's a shit actor, it's still not a good look to do a whole thing where you're making fun of him right as he's uh, – uh, quitting acting because he literally can't act anymore because because he's he has like a because he has like brain damage that that's I mean I'm a fan of edgy comedy but there's also times where you just come across as being demeaned there's like no value other than just the meanness of it I mean I could understand it 
if you thought he was just doing this just like get his bag, but I mean, no, he he's actually got mental issues and. Actually, a, a funny thing, and I will totally admit to this, even though this makes me an awful person. The first time I saw the tweets about Bruce Willis, I actually misread that as alopecia. Alopecia, and I was like, yeah. But wait a minute, he's been bald for decades. Yes, yes, there was a lot. There was a lot of uh, I that there was a lot of that. I I, I also kind of misread that for a second. <laughs> and then oh, spe- and you know what? By the way, to bring it back around to that, there was also like. People were trying to do a cancel culture on Will Smith because they found a, a, a segment of him making fun of a guy with alopecia from like 1993 or something <laughs> like that. God. And it was like, seriously, you're going to go back that far from to be making a joke at some bald guy who had alopecia and be like, Will cancel Will Smith. And then, and by the way, or another comment because that's I think we're we're wrapping up now. It's uh, it's we're we're coming in on the end of the show. But um, I was interested to see like a lot of entertainers taking Chris Rock's side, like saying this is crazy. Like uh, Jim Carrey was very fierce about it. Zoe Kravitz was talking about it, and then people brought up that she was like tweeting thirsty tweets about Jaden Smith when he was like fourteen, and then got. Got asked to like stay away from him. I think. I think Will Smith was like, "Could you please stay away from my kid, you creep, or whatever." Um, and so there's a lot of weird. That's the thing. There's so much like because you think you know these people, and there's there's a lot of stuff you don't know. Who knows what kind of weird baggage exists between Will Smith and Chris Rock that you know Chris Rock might even not even know about. Maybe Chris Rock said some shit about Will Smith at a party and it got back to Will Smith and Chris Rock doesn't even know that this happened. You know what I mean? Like there could be so much shit to this that we are not even remotely aware of. Yeah, and Joe Rogan also came out very strongly against this because obviously, I mean, most people know Joe Rogan as podcaster now, but some of us are old enough to remember when he was a stand-up comedian and it's like, and that's been a lot of the response from comedians, too, is like this idea that, no, it's not OK to be OK with somebody getting slapped for telling a joke. And it's like I I would be like, OK, so if Joe Rogan was out somewhere in public and he got slapped for something he said on his podcast, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not cool with the idea of slapping podcasters in the face because of something they said, because that might come back on me one day. But, yeah, the, the, the response from comedians and from that sort of that that group and that genre has been very pro Chris Rock because I mean obviously I mean you you don't want to ever have this situation where it's okay for someone to actually slap you or now it's even a joke that like oh you should go slap somebody because they said something you don't like it's like no that's that's not cool that's not okay well yeah and the and 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 I do think that uh, this does, you know, despite the, the the attempt to kind of make this about race, I do think that a lot of like uh, celebrities feel uncomfortable with the idea of like getting behind a, someone who's privileged getting away with, do, with doing something that like, uh, you know, the regular person wouldn't. It sort of clashes with their own professed talk about privilege and and like i said because everyone involved was black it's easier to make the case that this is about purely about privilege and that there is no racial undertone to it um and uh yeah i think uh, i think on that note i think we're uh we're uh kind of you know drawing to a close right um yeah all crossed out 
thank you very much for joining us. Uh, these are uh, these are pretty fun, and um, you know, uh, another episode of uh, ambitious crossover attempt uh, is coming next week. A special episode. I'm going to tell you <laughs> why, but it is a it is a special episode, special. A, ver- a very special episode, mm-hmm. but not 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 of that sort certainly. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so check check out the Ambitious Crossover Attempt next week. And, uh, yeah, again, every uh, Wednesday night we're going to be doing these. Uh, it's going to be kind of cool when I'm in Israel, I think, and we're going to do a – we're going to do a, an international version. Um, gonna th- we're going to try to f- – we should figure out something fun to do. Like maybe I can like live tweet my – I could like go do it at like the – Western Wall or something like that, some weird <laughs> shit like that. I don't know. We'll figure something like that. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, thank you very much, and uh, we'll hopefully see you uh, next week. Good night, Jen. Night, Noam, and good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye.